Hello and welcome to another episode of Rant About It by the BU chapter of the Philosophy, Politics and Economics Society. To stay updated on all our future events, follow us on Instagram at BUPPE Society and check out our website, ppesocietybu.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening and now into the discussion. So if you look at all the East Asian societies, um, those actually have kind of have the whole situation in control they either used very extreme um, measures, like methods, or they yeah. just kind of tested out like in a very large scale. And either way, you're going to, I feel it either way, like Western societies is, are very hard to follow them because I think it's kind of like, you know, how the Western societies, they live in the way like, oh, individualism, democracy, and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly you need to, like, this is a situation you need to conform or, like, sacrifice or, I don't know, like, and suddenly collectivism. Yeah. I don't think this is the word, collectivism. That's the word, I think. Vism. Yeah, collectivism. Him, uh... You see the uh, videos of how um if how there are still people walking around outside in Italy, it's a uh, little bit disturbing that people are still walking around outside in Italy, and uh, apparently when they meet people they're still doing the two air kisses with each other and um. Ha! Okay, sorry. I, th- I thought they couldn't like even go out. It was like punishable. I think there was like certain. That's what situations. they're saying. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Certain situations. It yeah. is like you. Um, so my friend lives in Paris right now. She said there are like five situations that you are justified to go outside, like going out to do grocery shopping or anything, or maybe also running as well. Like there, are, these are two of the five that you are justified to do, which is very different from what um, China Wuhan carry out at the first place i think for them it's like all the public transit are stopped are suspended and like the whole city are whole city shut down yes yeah the whole city shut down and um i don't think there is like a order issue there there were there were no orders issued by the government to say, oh, you have to stay at home. But I think that's kind of like a cultural think, thing because people I think kind of, they did say that. Really? Did they? I yeah, always they were, thought it was like a volunteer. They were blasting stuff on the loudspeakers telling people that you can't go outside. I or think to stay indoors. Really... Actually, no, they allowed you to... Okay, I, I think what they did was that they gave... They allowed everybody to go outside only one day per week. Really? I don't I believe that's what was I believe that's what they're doing right now. I do believe it was zero days a week of just a few days before though. Hmm. Hmm. So I think that there's like a way that I think that there's absolutely a balance between being an authoritarian society and um like I think that you can have we can have the best of both worlds in terms of having on normal in under normal circumstances having the amount of freedom that we have in the united states um but i think that you can also have situations um and actually our country does have it but it's just that our leaders are not using it and what they're not using is they're not using the ability to um basically have a i think that there should be a mandatory quarantine um and i also think that there 
I also think that there should be situations where we can like violate HIPAA and like pri what, what's considered like medical privacy law so that people can know, oh, this is who's infected in my town. I mean, I was just speaking with somebody who is a Chinese citizen and they said that um, when they, they're, they're currently under, um, they're currently, um, sorry, they're currently, uh, they're under quarantine for 14 days in like a hotel in China. And then after they get out of that quarantine, then everybody in their town where they live, well, first of all, they have to go home and they have to do another like, like less serious quarantine in their own home for like another 14 days. But I think that that's like not as strict. But then everyone in the town is notified, this person came from this country and might be infected with coronavirus and this is where they live. And so they're much oh more <laughs> and, and like dedicated to preventing um, like dedicated to like actually preventing the spread of the virus um, yeah yeah my like my parents told me not to go out like be extra cautious <laughs> the thing the reason is that they say like in the u.s the information of the infected individuals are not um released i mean like no one will release their like their name either in China's, but you will know like the location so everyone can stay away from that. So like my parents' point is that like, so that you never know the person you encounter in the street today might be a person, an individual that carries the virus or something. There's also no mandatory quarantine. So, you know, that's like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's also like, um, I don't know. So that's the, that's our, that's the point of our, discussion like is there a balance between that i mean if we do not have any like very extreme situations like before no one will say oh this is like good but under a situation like this would your position change because of that or do we feel the degree or the level will change because of that wait could you phrase the question again is like, I feel the pandemic kind of raised the question. I feel it kind of raised the question on is the democratic freedom or individual freedom always the priority in any situation, even in a situation like this? And in a situation like this, is it justified to do like... To a certain extent, I'd say yes. Like it's like mass quarantining is necessary in a situation like this because if you don't quarantine people, then a lot more people die in a uh, overwhelmed healthcare system. Yeah, I yeah. think that I think that it's it's the purpose of executive power. I mean, our if you look at this like the structure of the Constitution of the United States, it specifically has clauses that create a situation. Um, I mean, this is something that's concerned me as somebody who is against totalitarianism. In the past, I've always been nervous that there there's kind of this situation where they, um, and, and you see it, you saw it start, sort of start to happen after 2001, um, but it never really got to that. It, like situations like where if there's like a crisis, then the government can have a sort of martial law, and we can temporarily become a country that has less freedom, and that's been something that has always existed. It existed during wartime. Um, I mean, I actually disagree with this, but Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus so that he could arrest um, 
so that he could arrest somebody who is criticizing, um, who, who is trying to like keep people from going to war or something. So, and, and that, I mean, that's like kind of a, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but I certainly agree with, um, oh, I want to leave my house and go see my friends, even though I'm infected with coronavirus. Like, obviously you should be forced to not do that. Like you, if you, but historically, I, don't know. So, I mean, historically with the, um, Abraham Lincoln case, as well as a lot of other like totalitarian measures, it's generally been the Supreme Court that rules it unconstitutional. The issue with the Supreme Court is that, for example, in the Lincoln case, the um, uh, so Lincoln suspended habeas corpus, and then there were two um, um, Supreme Court rulings, um, Milligan and Merriman, who basically said that you can't do that, but that came after the war ended. So... After, after after the crisis is over, you declare what the president did unconstitutional. And even in World War II, the uh, internment, the Japanese internment was ruled, un- that was actually ruled constitutional during the war. And then only after the war was it actually successfully challenged in some of the, um, dis- some, some of the uh, district courts, so. Um, and do you guys think we'll see something like that happening right now, even with like several representatives, like the governor of Texas, um, it's I possible the, that there are constitutional challenges to like a mandatory stay-at-home order. Like that yeah. is definitely possible. Yeah, well, well I, I, what I was going to say that is that some representatives are even saying that the quarantine is not even necessary. That they're going to like open up shop even like one week or two weeks. Mm. Do, you, do you think we can still get to that point where uh, there's like a national mandatory lockdown? Well, actually, I mean, at this point, and I was actually saying this. Um, I was saying this back when there was like 200 cases in New York City. Um, I think even as long ago as that, I think it, the containment effort was basically hopeless because um, like r- what we're doing right now is the only effect that this is really happy- having is this is just like a long, this is just keeping our hospitals from getting overwhelmed like like completely overwhelmed to the point where people are just dying because there's just such an influx of of sick people but to like to be perfectly honest though if you look at the economic damage that this is going to cause i mean economic damage has health effects and it's not something that you can measure because you don't have like oh this person tested positive and then died 14 days later it's but i mean like people will die because of the economic catastrophe that is going to come out of this and then i think pretty much at this point it would almost be better to have to let society just run normally because it's going to spread. Like at this point, I think that almost everyone in this country, like a majority will probably catch it in the long run because, because even when, when stuff starts to open up, people who are carrying it are going to bring it back and you're going to see outbreaks come back up. But at least if we were to open things back up, we would have people with jobs who are paying taxes. And then if you just like raise taxes 30% or something, then maybe you can pay for like to build some emergency hospitals. I mean, at this point, like, and, and even, even like weeks ago, the, the lack of response up front, like the best response is like, would have been to immediately you identify the cases and everyone who that person came in contact with and everyone is in mandatory quarantine for the sake of trying to keep society running as a whole. So at, th- at this point, I think that, I mean, I think that we're reaching the point where the economic effects of the quarantine are are causing more damage now than 
than it would cause if just if we just let like literally everyone get infected and like because at least we'd have people running society like society's literally shutting down and and it's not something that just giving businesses loans and individuals checks is going to solve because that those businesses like will not be there and this i don't think the system is going to be able to restart as easily as some people think um but then yeah. at the same time it's like what it, what is the criteria that you're going to use and at the same time you also mentioned as well like it's going to be the capacity of the medical system so i feel let's just say i, I feel one thing is that like there are not only people uh there are not only people who got infected and need to use the emergency rooms they are also like women who are pregnant and those other people who really need to use like a lot of other kind of surgeries and they are very immunocompromised people so what are how are you going to evaluate the loss from that yeah like if you look at the if you look at the cases in italy and spain for example where the healthcare system was very quickly overwhelmed by the rapid surge in coronavirus cases they basically there's not enough hospital beds to decide so you have to so like the doctors have to decide who they're going to save and who they who is just going to die because there's just not enough there's just not enough to save there's not enough equipment to save everyone which is like and and that's like not the case like i understand that there is an economic impact to like shutting to to quarantining everything but causing a lot of causing a lot of unnecessary death is also quite a severe economic impact and at the end of the day i'd say that we should value the lives of people over the economic the economics of people yeah and and uh, definitely letting it run as like gabriel said uh it, it's still i i think the us hasn't still uh, reached that point of like triage and deciding who's the, who they're going to save or not So US I think not, they, not yeah, New York so, City is very close, but mm -hmm. but everywhere else is not yet. And also, just basing on um, what are the um, governments around the world do doing to kind of ease out the burdens of different families, and in the country, I did see some governments. I don't remember where, but like they release. Not only loans, I think is something that's kind of like they just kind of give out money to the household, um, and there are quite a lot of governments doing that. And I think going back to the question we asked, how are we going to evaluate this? When is going to the, be the point? Do we know how much what? how much is the capacity each government is able to do that like how much money they are able to devote to each household and what amount to each household is proper for them um if you, if you asked andrew yang the answer will be $1000 a month but <laughs> yeah for the rest of their lives um i mean i think the uh, relief plan the us uh past was very uh i'd say reasonable <laughs> i mean i'm definitely not in the in the situation of like the people that are most affected the people that lose their jobs and people that have to pay extremely high rent 
but I think like the uh, the amount you're gonna get for I think it's like several months of paid leave if you have a family and you are unemployed um, and that like varies between if you have a family or not and stuff like that and like the uh, 1200 I mean I, I, I know the 1200 dollar checks is uh, not very significant but um, I don't know. It's it seemed reasonable, and I think we'll definitely. I think the, the Fed and most institutions are like as clueless as us <laughs> with how how the economy are gonna how it's gonna behave when stuff starts to like settle down. Because with the measures they've been taking, like getting interest rates close to zero and just. Uh, almost begging people to like ask for money. Um, I think they're hoping that the economy is gonna, is gonna uh, get in like a, a slow uh, comeback after because uh, with measures like that, if the economy just gets like a consumption boom right after this happens, uh, that might have like inflationary effects that could like affect the U.S. further. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, so, the, part of the issue no, also, though, is that you're not just looking at, um, unfortunately, you're not just looking at people who, um, like a country that has a moderate amount of debt. Um, it, debt has been getting worse in this country, and there are the so United States does not have a moderate amount of debt. The United States has a fairly severe debt issue. I, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so... So, um, yeah, well, I said we're not looking at, we're not looking at that. Um, so the issue is that, I mean, I think, I think we're going to have a debt crisis where, um, you know, it'll start with whatever the modern version of subprime, I think there still are subprime loans, right? Or mortgages or whatever. Um, so, I mean, people are just going to be not able to pay things back and then businesses are gonna not, not going to be able to pay things back. And, and so that, that's when things are really going to like, like go down the toilet. And, <laughs> um, and I think that, I mean, we still haven't seen the peak of both the disaster, the health disaster, and also the economic disaster. And the health disaster is going to hit first. I heard one estimate that it's going to be in like the next two weeks, but I don't really, I'm not really sure of that. Um, but I mean, it's just, there's, it, it's, it's not going to be like, people are just going to come out of it. Maybe people will well, no, pe people are not going to come out of this um, all of a sudden, like, going out and buying things. Um, that's the thing. It's like, we'll be lucky if people come out of this and can pay back, like, their monthly payments for their mortgages, but they will be barely able to do that. And I think that they actually won't be able to do that. So they won't even be able to pay back their whatever they owe monthly on debt, much less pay, like, contribute at all to the consumer economy beyond that. And so that's just a complete disaster. If you look at the percentage of Americans who are employed, who make their money in some way from some extension of consumerism, it's like, I think I did a research project in high school. It's like 40% um, or something like that. So, so that means that like all those people are going to be out of work essentially when people just stop spending money because they have none. Um, so, yeah. I actually, I'm kind of curious. Do people actually spend less money on things nowadays yes. compared to before? Because there are still a lot of stuff that can be bought. 
like I don't know. It, maybe people are spending more money on streamlined services, or maybe people are spending more money on. The biggest decrease that you see when you have an, like any type of like dimension, like any type of shock, is that people stop buying like durable goods, which is like long-term goods. So, like for example, you see a collapse in like the house, like and, like for example, people aren't buying new houses. People aren't buying. Like like durable goods like cars, automobiles, furnitures, like that type of thing. Like day to day consumption is going to continue, obviously, because it has to. Like continue like food, like food and like like even like clothing is like a semi durable good. But you do see like the you will like it's definitely you you have definitely seen like a like decreases in like like in like the housing market, the stocks market, like the stocks there's been a pretty big selling of stocks there's like there's not really a lot of car, car purchases right now and those are like, the industries that are going to be hit the hardest by something like any type of shock and especially this shock where it's both a supply and a demand shock where yeah. like you're telling people okay you're telling suppliers okay they can't like they can't have work they can't supply things anymore because it's you can't be supplying things anymore because it's because it's like it's like you're not supplying something essential and pe like the demand shock there's also simultaneously demand shock because there's people aren't in a demand like if people aren't working there's no demand to like buy things that are like especially durable goods so yeah i i understand that part but also i'm kind of curious to see like are there going to be any shifts in the trend that people choose to like maybe there are going to be more investors investing in i don't know when we were talking about stock price um the other week i wonder what is the stock price for zoom right now because it seems like people must have a lot of confidence in like zoom nowadays than before and is it going to be a lot different than before is it going to be like a time for the online or stream streaming services or all the kind of online services to soar yeah i mean i think we've it's safe to say that everything streaming is uh currently being uh like seeing huge increases in in use i think i saw um uh, the the founder of can academy the website for like uh for learning they they had to ask for donations because it's it's a free website and their servers are like at, at like 250% on what they usually are mm -hmm. so yeah definitely it's going to put a, a a different focus on on streaming services and how i guess well right now it's like the only thing people can use but um they're they're definitely going to there's there're definitely going to be effects on like their value and, and uh, their output, I guess. But I don't know, it's, it's difficult to say because every, everybody else is suffering. I, I, I think Zoom is mm -hmm. like their stock is actually up. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I the market as a whole is. If you're, if, you're purely, if you're purely like, if you're purely catering towards an online audience and there's a sudden rush of people that are forced online, then yeah, that's going to be like good for those specific companies. But for those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like for the rest of the companies who are hit hardest because they can't produce, they can't sell, their workers are getting sick or they're being quarantined, so they there's not enough workers to produce goods. 
and especially those brick and mortar like those brick and mortar stores where people aren't going there because it's because and just people aren't going there and even like people just aren't buying as much stuff so i mean it's like online companies are online based companies are going to suffer are are probably going to prosper a little bit but there's going to be a very large decline in like non online based things that are online based companies in that industries in this crisis and and i mean and if you look at something like amazon like maybe people now um, I don't know what Amazon stock is, how it's doing right now, but I mean, I'll bet that Amazon sales up are, have been up like in the past few weeks because people are trapped at home and shopping and they actually still have money. But when people start literally not having money, then, then that'll, that'll hurt everyone, um, across the board, I think. So, um, it took a pretty sharp decline back in February. It's, it has the, the Amazon stock has been dropping pretty substantially since the start of the year, I will say. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, like places like uh, the uh, storage, um, what's the word? Well, Zoom, uh, Zoom stock is like actually skyrocketing, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I was thinking on that. It went from like 80 at the beginning of February, been, been below 80, and now it's like 146 yeah. or something. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> what do you use for, for stats? For um, like, what? What do you use for your market stats? Uh, Yahoo Finance. Oh, Yahoo, okay. I use finviz.com. Um, it's a good Yahoo Finance. Don't question why I use Yahoo Finance for this stuff. Yeah. I think it's like the only part of Yahoo that's still working. <laughs> that does anything good. Yeah. Yeah. As they say, the slogan for Yahoo is a worse way to Google something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say, aren't like a warehouse. That was the word I was looking for. Aren't Amazon oh, warehouse is going to like close up. I heard, did you guys see the news that like Amazon fresh shoppers or drivers or, and also Instacart drivers for shoppers, they are planning to strike or they, maybe they already strike? No, I didn't see that. I think it's that like people tend to use um, Amazon fresh and Instacart, like all those, you know, you kind of just shop online, then they deliver it to you. Yeah, that's a lot. And then I think people see a shortage of shoppers these days because I use some time and then I saw, uh, oh, there's not like available delivery time. It's like all those, like before we, maybe before last week, people are talking, we're talking about, oh, like when you went in a store and half of the shelf are gone or maybe like all of the shelves are gone. But right now I think, products has been restocked it's just that like no one is willing or there are not enough people to do the delivery and also like the drivers and shoppers they say they are under a lot of pressure and like they are also not getting good enough um benefits so that's yeah. what they're striking for yeah i mean it makes sense right now they're like at the peak of uh, demand for delivery drivers so it would make sense for them to ask for more benefits because they're like also risking their health <laughs> by doing that. But yeah, I didn't know that. I think this is like just this week or like the end of last week is happening right now. 
Okay, do you guys have anything to say about the global relationship or diplomatic kind of thing, diplomacy kind of thing on fighting against coronavirus or like the global yeah. I, I, uh, I read something about there's a kind of uh, an outbeating war right now between the U.S. and, and different uh, like Euro European countries for uh, ventilators and just uh, medical supplies and stuff like that. It, it uh, yeah, I guess the, the relationship between just different countries seems to be complicating things <laughs> in terms of that, of like the supply of just um, medical and health services. It's been really interesting to see, like, right now, um, the Chinese diplo diplomacy is kind of pushed forward or all the aid, like the medical aid and these kind of stuff are part of the Chinese diplomacy in some way um, in this coronavirus age. And also all the U.S.-China relationship or the tension um, kind of also reformatted um, on criticizing each other each other's yeah I think it it, it, is, it uh, eased up a bit right I think uh, Jinping and, and Trump met like last week so I think it like eased up <laughs> a bit I, after I kind, of, I kind of feel it just kind of got remodeled towards that it's, it's still kind of like a context for us yeah. and china war and i do remember seeing somewhere that a senator i remember i forgot the name but they were saying oh china needs to be oh, we need to all like ask china to bear the responsibility of not um not doing a on time to fight coronavirus so you are is basically he's saying something like oh you need to um take all the responsibility of what the world is suffering right now and and chinese government is fighting back on a lot of similar kind of stuff so it's like seeing that report like the u.s china um not only the trade war it's just that kind of tension to reformatting around yeah. coronavirus is very interesting in some way I didn't know, like, actual politicians were saying that. <laughs> I didn't have, I haven't really do, I haven't really done the fact check part yet, but I did see yeah. some Twitter saying that, some tweets mm -hmm. saying it. And also, and people are teasing WHO, like, being a follower of Chinese government, because someone asks a question about Taiwan, yeah, the, because the Taiwan, Taiwan has been I saw it. <laughs> a very like a model society fighting off coronavirus at the moment. And pe people asked in a conference and WHO, um, I think they didn't re reply it by disconnecting and reconnecting. Yeah, the guy just hung up after she repeated the question. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Um, it was really awkward. That's a very interesting part as well. It's kind of like you see everything like every conflict in the world show in the coronavirus situation in some way. Yeah.
Have you guys seen the video, Gabriel and Jeffy, the one we're talking about? Uh, no. Could you post the link? Yeah, sure. I can look it up. Yeah, and also, also, right now, I think people haven't been really turned their eyes towards Latin America and also Africa. Like a lot of societies that probably do not have the capability to deal with a breakout of coronavirus. Yeah. And well, from my experience here in Mexico, uh, I think just earlier today there was a, a sanitary emergency declared after um, the president just being completely oblivious of the situation, like saying it, it's not that bad and you can still go out and go to restaurants. Uh, but yeah, right now, I think it's kind of a, of a similar, well, a similar situation as like Trump from two weeks ago when he was like still in denial. But yeah, um, I'm not really uh, like confident and just, uh, at ease with <laughs> what the situation is going to be here in like the next week, maybe because definitely the the public health system is not ready for for a, like a, a saturation of just uh, that, and we don't even have like serious testing anywhere in the country, and cases are not even being reported. And they went to to like they went to an extent to try and hide it, hiding it that there have been some, there was a surge of what they're calling a typical pneumonia. Mm -hmm. But they're saying that it's not coronavirus. It's just an atypical pneumonia that they don't know what the cause atypical is. Atypical pneumonia. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's some impressive uh, BS right there. Yeah, it's truly frustrating. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully... Well, the government's gonna act up before it gets too bad. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're still at that stage of like denial and fighting between the health sector and just. Gabriel, you, you were saying something? Yeah, I was just gonna say like, um, I actually wasn't even thinking about countries, um, but I'm still like completely, um, like just disgusted at like the response within the United States. Um, but. And and I and I certainly don't mean this with regards to countries besides the United States, um, but like with the U.S. versus China, like you're talking about two countries that both have advanced societies, advanced technology, and honestly, like I just think that um, like I've never been the sort of person who was felt like who's who's been like oh like I want America to be strong and powerful, but like this our response to this virus has made me. It, it makes me wonder if like if like a country was to try to invade the United States like would be able to would be we would we be able to get our shit together and like actually fight that off because we clearly can't respond to like even like like this is literally like it is a passive threat like it it's a virus that goes from people to people but it's not like a person who's actually trying to kill you and we can't even deal with that so like so I almost wonder if like <laughs> like it I feel like this virus is kind of like it's showing how like unfit it's almost like how unfit for survival American society is because clearly our 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 civil infrastructure 
is complete, like both our economic and our health infrastructure is just completely collapsing because of a lack of leadership. And I, and I, I just, I think it's really, really sad. Um, but I think that this event is kind of going to be like, it, it ends up being like a, um, in a, it's an, it's like an act of natural selection kind of, unfortunately, because our country is suffering because, sorry, my country, United States is suffering because it can't deal with the problem. And, and other countries, I mean, they, who have been struggling, who, who have, who like, who actually knew that they didn't have good health infrastructures. Like the U S we thought we had a good health infrastructure. Um, but obviously not good enough. Um, I, I, I just, I think it's kind of like terrible, but it, but it also shows how you need to not, it shows the importance of a society, not just thinking about like, Oh, are we getting, are we barely getting by in normal times and to start shifting the, the sites more to like, how are you going to deal with the extreme cases? I mean, that's, that's almost like if, if any of you are familiar with um, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, he talks about like black swan events and building a societies that are resilient to black swan events. And also, building building a knowledge among citizens in a society that things don't always go as nor like as expected and you need to be prepared for the unexpected like this virus um yeah i'm gonna push back slightly on the fact the united states is not dealing with this well because mm, what you want to say i think the united states i don't think the united states has been dealing with this perfectly but the United States has certainly not suffered like countries such, like for example, some European countries where there have been significantly more deaths in the United States as an example. Well, that's and, just because it didn't hit us. I mean, we're gonna see in the next like two weeks, like how bad it's going to get. The thing about that is like, I always feel is that people usually really do not value the importance of global information or something like, it's literally like New York Times journalists have been follow, following this disease, like this situation in Wuhan maybe early in the year. And then, so I've been thinking about this. Is, the, is that because of cultural difference and like, and also some collective experience that the society that does not have, does not share, so that you do not realize how important or how serious it is, or it's just some kind of mistrust towards global experience or global information, or I don't know, global reporting. That's me from a journalist point of view. I always have some opinions on people's do not pay much attention to news that's like not in their own societies. And this well, is especially like, in America. I think, I think is yeah, like US news are very centric towards itself. So yeah, I wonder what are the real reasons behind that behind that. At first I, I, I want to say, oh, it's cultural difference, but then Italy just realize, oh, it's actually not. It's just that they haven't really pay that much attention to it and now they realize oh it's actually serious so yeah. i don't know i think yeah um i might be getting off point a bit but i i think what we can kind of compare to is the uh the feeling people have and the the perception people have of like climate change and uh just 
uh, just this like impending tragedy that is just uh, waiting to happen. And since people don't see what I'm what my point is is since people don't see the kind of immediate effect on them and how it just uh, it might affect them negatively, they don't act up on it. So when the news started going up, like there's a virus in China and it's spreading quickly and uh, back in the beginning of this year. And uh, I, I think like most people, me included, we saw it as something that just, it's happening back there and it's really not gonna affect our, our, uh, our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think that the fact that we didn't, I, and ge generally, if people don't have uh, like a first-hand experience with things like that, it's very difficult to get them to act and yeah, be responsible. And the crazy thing is, is right now that people all over the world have first-hand experience with what can happen and there's still people that are not taking it seriously. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, continue. No, yeah, I was just gonna say that it's, I guess it's a, you could say it's a mix of those things, just not having firsthand experience at first and then just seeing it as, as something distant. Yeah, I have a personal opinion on this. Is like, this is such a, it's like we are kind of witnessing globalization is kind of like going backwards in some way in the process because everywhere is like shutting down borders and maybe like exports are going to go down pretty fast and all of that and people are not traveling anymore but at the same time it's like the age that people start to realize how much negligence they have for like global experience is actually it's kind of like a paradox you see globalization this whole process going backwards is kind of like a reversal but at the same time you everyone are convinced that like global experience are I don't know it's just the whole world is connected in some way and you are really devoting your attention to what other societies are doing because that really lit some perspective to you on how you can deal with it in your society in some way I found it very interesting in a I don't know in a very neutral way and also maybe a sad way <laughs> yeah Sad ways is what I describe it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would describe it as a neutral way that people are dying because of a virus, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, a sad way. Well, I mean, part of it is also, um, there's like, I see this mindset in the United States, there's this kind of like, um, it's this sort of like, it's hard to describe, it's like a rule follower mindset where you only deal with problems when like you're about to be completely crushed by them, which is like way, way, way too late to be dealing with problems. And, and I mean, a, like a lot of companies that are actually successful, like don't have this, but you certainly see it in government and you also see it in like ineffective, um, pretty much any ineffective institution or even ineffective like human beings who just like don't deal with their problems until their life is like literally falling apart. And unfortunately, like, there is this, <laughs> there's a process by which like that, 
like in the long term, like if if I think if the system in the United States cannot make itself more responsive to dealing with problems like this and and dealing with problems in general, like what you would call black swan events, improbable events with significant consequences, if we can't like create a society that is more able to deal with this, then eventually like that that will be like the demise of the United States. If we keep having this sort of attitude of like, oh, we're just gonna follow the rules, make sure that we like don't get in trouble. Like we don't wanna piss people off by having a mandatory quarantine that would actually contain the virus. Um, it just, I, I think that like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's almost kind of like, and I, and I hate to say, like people who are dying are not getting what they deserve because their government has failed them. But our society as a whole, perhaps, is getting what it deserves because we have this society that, that I just feel is ineffective. Like, I think that hospitals are not yet getting overwhelmed. And then once hospitals are getting overwhelmed, then people are all, all of a sudden, they're going to be like, oh, now we need to build like, additional makeshift hospitals. Then it's like, no, you needed to build makeshift hospitals like a while ago. Actually, I'm, I'm speaking now like without basis of evidence. I don't really know how much different like areas are, are like pursuing initiatives to have makeshift hospitals. But I, I just think yeah. that like, at least in the early days, like up until now, we've had this reactionary mindset that has just, that is not sufficient for dealing with this kind of problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of to add to your point, I think they started a hospital in central park, like a makeshift hospital, like, this oh, week really? or maybe last week so oh. yeah it's definitely more of a reactionary measure instead of a... i'm i'm just kind of curious i mean i have two points i i first i would say i i, I guess we are all very disappointed with our own government right now <laughs> not only yeah. you to u.s government we are all very disappointed by our own governments at the moment so at the second time um second point is that i'm very curious how much do you think that kind of mindset has to do with the mindset of America, America, exceptionalism. Everything, <laughs> everything I'll see. I, it's there's this feeling as if the United States is. I think there were many people before this week or before two weeks ago that thought this coronavirus is not going to impact the United States. The United States is invulnerable to a mass pandemic as such. And I guess, I mean, if you see how quickly New York City is getting, like how quickly New York City has been over, just overwhelmed, it's, it's pretty disconcerting. Although I'm speaking just for New York City myself. I, I, I'm, everywhere else seems to be not being overwhelmed to the same extent that New York City is overwhelmed, but I think for many Americans, this disease was not something that was not considered. They didn't think it was serious until it got serious. And by the time it gets serious and you've got over a overwhelmed system already, that's already late, too late by then. Because when I was talking to my roommate, um, we were talking about this is, that's, kind of like two weeks before now and she said oh modern america never has never seen a thing that i don't know has never seen something that has disrupted the whole social like 
the social order or maybe the society is functioning so, so much. And I kind of have the same kind of feeling for a lot of other stuff as well. Is kind of like when, I don't know, I don't know how much I would say is kind of like American, American exceptionalism is related to those. But I have a very vague kind of feeling that U.S. response are all related to that. And it's because there has never, America, the modern America has never been encounter anything that really disrupt the whole society's functioning. Like I had the experience when I was, I don't know, six, no, not six, like five year old. And the SARS, we have to be quarantined for SARS, which is like a very similar virus of coronavirus and a lot of other kind of stuff. So I feel when you have some kind of experience like that, you wouldn't know how to be more cautious. South that Korea part. did something very similar after the um, um after the MERS outbreak back in 2015. South Korea very very quickly ramped up. They very very quickly ramped up a sophisticated disease and pandemic system, and you see it being very effective. You see, you've seen like how, despite the fact that South Korea saw a very massive number of cases, they were able to, con- they were able to quarantine almost every, like all the people who are who are infected quickly, and South Korea has massive have have massively rolled out testing programs to basically test like everybody who's been in contact with those people who are sick. And South Korea is very successful in containing this coronavirus, unlike other countries who just don't have the experience of a previous pandemic and therefore don't have the ability to therefore don't have the ability to respond in the same way the united states has never seen something as bad as this well i guess we saw back in 1918 but none of us were alive at that time and nobody who was alive and remembering things in 1918 can attest to the severity of it to like at the present day i suppose i don't mean to like disparage like like centenarians, but it's it's not an experience that United pe- people of the United States know about and can yeah, relate that, to. That kind of I'm I'm just, that kind of make me very curious. How can how can people be mindful enough to look up to other societies' experience so you do not get into the same situation? That's like how can you learn from other societies or at least have that kind of attitude? Well, it's kind of the same way that you can learn from other people. Like, I found for myself, um, I mean, as you all know, I love talking to people, uh, but I also love talking to older people because if you talk to somebody who's 40 years old or older, even if you're having a conversation that, like, even if they're not necessarily on your career path or have values that much similar to yours, like, people have experience and I think it's just kind of like, I think it's just an act, like, um, our, our, like our, we see it in our society. Um, our society does not value like wisdom and it doesn't value experience that much. Um, and, and I think that the, perhaps that same sort of thing is like at, at a larger level. It's just like understanding that other people can have, ex- can have experience and knowledge that you don't have that 
is still valuable to you. Um, and I think that U.S. doesn't have that. And actually, I, I'm thinking about it now, and I think we might move somewhat in the right direction after this, but I'm still not sure. Um, you know, after this whole coronavirus thing is done and the economy is coming back, I, I have, the, like, a part of me wonders if the U.S. still has, will not learn its lesson. Like, if, like, and I, and I wonder, like, how many disasters will it take before the U.S. It, it, I think that, like, going back to what you were talking about before, American exceptionalism, I think, has part of to do with it. Sort of this idea um, that the U.S. is just somehow, like, immune to situations that affect other countries. That's definitely a major problem. Um, but I also, though, um, I think that American exceptionalism can actually be a great thing in, from the point of view of making our country, making my country more prepared for, more prepared for something like this. Cause, um, mm-hmm. cause like personally, I've, I'm always like, I love the civil liberties of the United States and I despise the civil liberties of China. Uh, but I also like the way that China dealt with this virus. And it's, I've honestly been questioning the past few days. I was like, I was like, is there any hope? Like, like if, if, if events like this, like if we were to have two more equivalent coronavirus events in the future and the response of China and the United States were to be like proportional, then I think that would easily put China as like the world power, just because if they can respond to this sort of thing like this, um, they'll, they would like eventually come out on top. But, but I think that American exceptionalism though can actually help us, um, not exceptionalism. I mean, exceptionalism is kind of extreme, but, but I think that we need to think about like the best of both worlds. So like, how can we, keep civil liberties and have a just society and protect people's identities when they're sick with something, which is, that's actually a great like concept, um, but also have a society that can respond appropriately to disasters and, and is prepared for like events like this. Okay. I, I think I get what you mean. What you mean simply is that how do you not follow entirely the other societies? um, approach to deal with the try to come up with something that's very unique to yours like to your dreams to your mission and also to your um social situation yeah but also something that's just effective and like actually keeps people keeps diseases contained like Mm -hmm. i think that's true i think that's true for every society is like you always have something that's very you can develop develop something as effective and and also you don't have to follow any societies. They're like entirely in that way. One, one thing though, um, like looking at solutions and how the U.S. comes out of this and prepares itself for future disasters, one thing that I'm nervous about and that we can sort of look out for in the coming year and years is um, a part of this sort of attitude that I was talking about before, this um, sort of like follow the rules do only deal with problems like when you can't not deal with them a part of that sort of um ineffective way of running things is also a situation of coming up with like when something bad does strike like what i don't want to see happen in the united states is us just pass laws on like oh these are the laws that could have prevented the coronavirus pandemic because we need to be thinking more systemically and we need to be thinking about things like um, like, oh, like maybe we shouldn't keep federal reserve rates, reserve rates like so damn low during a time of prosperity, because then we can 
we don't even have that much room to cut them when something bad happens. So like we need to th be thinking about like systemic ways to, or, or like, or for example, like why is it so hard for executives like uh, governors and presidents to cut red tape when they need to manufacture like a million ventilators like yesterday? Like we, we need to have systems so that in times of emergency, all these like, like we put up all this sort of stuff to like, like that's sort of like retrofits like a certain problem. Oh, we're gonna make a special law like for when the next time this comes around. Well, like that specific thing is not gonna come around, but that kind of situation where you need executives to be able to respond quickly, like that's sort of a broad thing. And so I'm, I'm hoping as we come out of this crisis that the reform will not just involve legislation that could have prevented coronavirus, but it will actually involve um, legislation and policies that could that could prevent other disasters and that could enable like our society to be more flexible and agile in responding to like a variety of different potential problems. Yeah. Hey, um, hey Case, welcome. Hey, I, yeah, so I, I uh, got out of class at 4.45 and had a mental breakdown. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't worry. Hope you are well now. Yeah. Um, so are we talking about how the coronavirus is just a government conspiracy to get everyone counted in the census? <laughs> yeah, so they can I change the batteries of the of the pigeons. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, crows we all have to look out for now. Sorry, continue. We cover a lot of stuff. So what actually I'm interested in, what are you concerned about for coronavirus at the moment? What are you interested in? At the moment, um, I'd like to say that I'm interested in seeing my girlfriend. Um, but uh, on a more serious note, um, I am legitimately scared uh, that this is just going to be another opportunity uh, missed to curb ex executive power. Um, okay. Really, Gabriel was saying something about how executive power needed to have been expanded yesterday. No, so it, I think I think that this situation is exactly why is almost indicative of why we need to curb executive power. And here's my little elevator speech for that. Yeah, I'm very interested. Please do. Well, so you know, right now it's it's coronavirus. Tomorrow, you know, it could be a war. <laughs> it could be, you know, anything. Um, and the second we, uh, like, these are opportunities where uh, we think to ourselves, oh, man, if just one strong individual, you know, could just take the reins and hold us for a second. But, you know, we see historical examples, like, uh, I don't know, I use, like, consuls for Rome. You know, the second someone is, like, becomes a dictator you know <laughs> there's there's a pretty great precedent to be like and di dictator i mean you know wartime leader in the historical roman sense you know uh the second a whole ton of executive power is given to them they take it they they take you know you you give them an inch they take a mile you know the people take the mile uh very often um and to be honest like 
I keep it, and it started with Obama, and now Trump is completely abusing it. Well, I guess it started with FDR, but um, that with with uh, executive powers just growing and growing and growing. And I don't want every single situation where we have um, uh, a catastrophe for the person that we should have been watching this whole time to get even more powerful. You know, even though like the executive power is fine as it you know like essentially donald trump could have done a whole ton it's just he hasn't and any you know way that he could say like oh you know just expand executive power the people saying expand executive power you're just giving him uh you're doing the equivalent of like giving the army guns it's like they already have enough you know okay (laughs) okay it's it's yes but like executive power is not just donald trump like I like it's like okay so here's here's my example. The, currently, the mayor of New York City has still not shut down the freaking subway system. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous at this point. Like the New York City subways are still running. Like they, yeah, they, yeah. They, that's ridiculous at this point. They needed to have been shut down like two weeks ago. And the well, excuse I mean, that the, the excuse that the Blasio gave was the fact that they is that emergency workers needed the subways to move around because to well, which, like to not, which my response is you shut down the you shut down the the subway system for everybody who is not emergency health workers. It's not no, th- right, but like think about this though. Like uh, the people, have you spent like time in New York? Have you spent like like I live a, there. You do okay, cool. So like thank. How many people do you know that you know I've done it? How many people own a car? Zero. Zero. Exactly. You know, like, all right. So imagine, um, God, what is it? Uh, let's say, uh, I, because ambulances aren't always covered under insurance, which is insane. But anyway, um, New York Presbyterian. It's if you live on the like lower east side new york presbyterian hospital which is like kind of near the un kind of anyway but um, i know i know we were talking about yeah this. but that's that that's that's miles you're not going to walk that way you're not going especially for coronavirus you're not going to take an ambulance because you know that's suicide taking an ambulance you know you can't clean everywhere on that ambulance especially you know like and also you think about it it's like all those uh all those people that need to go to their like essential positions at like grocery stores like and and things like that you know like they're not going to be able to get around the city they're not you know like yes, shutting down have, the city is different have you seen how packed like, central park the power is. to shut down the city like have you seen how packed central park is <laughs> yeah i have but that's not, it is that's ridiculous not a, the fact that central park is packed right now when there are 90 when there are forty thousand cases of the virus in a single city yeah and the fact that the executive of new york city has not done anything to like deal with this except deal as like except to declare a state of emergency here wait wait i'll ask you what would he do shut down central park no but like 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 no but seriously though shut How down central you- park you know all the cars at every single thing and you know like are you that 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 just seems like martial law which is like not shutting down a park is not martial law 
Well, shutting down the shutting down the subway and shutting down uh, the largest open space and gathering place in the city, and also that previously has always had unrestricted access. I mean, I guess the park is closed after what is it? It's sundown in summer, and it's like nine p.m. or something. Anyway, but like you know, the park is like closed, but it's not closed. There's so a like, reason it, why there are forty thousand cases. It, yeah, the no, there is. Single city. Which is be- it's because New York is a giant urban area that has you know like where which people is, live which, in. Which is which is even boxes, more you know, which like, is even more of a reason why everything needed to have been shut down immediately. Oh yeah, so, no, I agree. If there's more people, that, that means like, not the job of uh, the executive power to do that. Like because essentially, like the second you do that, like what's to say? Um, you know, what, what, what's to say uh, someone can't be like, oh, you know, actually, this is like such a great, um, th- this conversation is fitting so well into my life, right? I just, I'm doing an internship application that's saying, what are your political opinions? But like, uh, no, the second you um, have the, you give someone that power, they're going to abuse it, or there's going to be a future president to abuse it. I disagree, though, with the idea i mean in this case like an outbreak of a virus is a very specific short-term event that can be very clearly defined and therefore if an executive attempts to retain power following like the decline of the virus falling off like our like the our constitution is designed so that both legislators and courts also in like retrospective court cases um can give leeway to an executive who in a time of emergency takes significant and extreme action that would otherwise be considered like um that would otherwise be considered like completely like totalitarian but like we need to if we want to like if we if we want to not have the number of people who are going to die die which at this point uh, like it's it's going to be just uh, it, at this point it's really sad died in new yeah. york city then pretty much every single country in the world, except China, Iran, Germany, France. There are more people who died in a single city than the entire country of Germany. Yeah, no, I had a friend yesterday saying that New York just has more, that that we, you know, we're on Zoom, obviously. And there's, you know, I'm in a, we get into a breakout group and there's a friend from Turkey and a friend from New York. And he's like, wow, your state, has more cases, your like city has more, yes, more cases than your country. Um, yes, there are more cases of, in a single city, which is where I live. <laughs> and which was even more reason for, the, for, for there to have been very rapid executive power to shut down the city. But that just never happened. I think, uh, honestly, like, Case, I think that like, it, like if we cannot, make executive power more flexible in times of crisis like it's going to be a very short order before like before like american society completely collapses like you need to be able to deal with problems like in a in a way that that is the reason why the executive branch is created like if we could run a country without an executive then we would have just created like a legislature and a judicial branch but like we have executives because to a certain extent, more than other branches of government, they can like 
as you would say, like get shit done. Like they can just be like, oh, we need to respond to this immediately. And, and, and the other branches of government, if they have a shred of like dignity and respect and understanding of the constitution will um, realize that that sort of response is necessary. And um, yeah. Right, so not to like, not to like, cause I, I can't stand these comparisons to 9-11. I think it's a bad comparison um, for a number of reasons. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. Specifically this like, this gaining of executive power in times of crisis. I mean, uh, man, I seem like, a, I sound like a, an ignoramus here, but what's the, uh, what's the, what's, what's the famous Bush era anti-privacy thing for the sake of terrorism? The oh, Patriot Act. Yeah. Thank you. Not Patriot Act, like- perfect example of this. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm afraid another, you know, and, and I, at the moment I can't think of, uh, what exactly uh, this version of the Patriot Act would be, um, in all fairness, and I and I first of all I completely see your point. Um, no, and I agree. I'm just saying that like this is just like such a time to grab power, and just because of like like we we've seen we've seen like damages from the Patriot Act like well beyond you know, the, the Bush administration. And so I'm just like, and I wasn't a huge fan of Bush. And so, and I'm like really not a fan of Trump right now. Um, so I'm just wondering like, how badly can well, he- you're right. You're right. That ranch mess this up. You know? I think, I think that you're correct that there's absolutely no comparison between the modern pandemic and 9-11 because 9-11, you're talking about singular incident yeah, isolated incident in a single location and there was a little bit scare after it but like so 9-11 you saw like um i mean you you saw an event that was not really like um it should not have I, I don't really think that it should have been taken as seriously as it was actually um which is that would probably offend a lot of people who lived through it but the truth is that like um but it, if you look at the outcome from it like you had this excessive response and excessive transfer of power to intelligence agencies and the executive branch as a whole um, for this small event. I mean, what we're seeing now is um, that might still come and we should fight that, but we should also make it so that in a very contained way, um, executives have, I mean, actually the truth is executives do have the power. They're just not using it. Like, as you said, uh, Yeffi, you said, um, the mayor of New York is just, is just like letting people gather in the central park. It's like, that is just, um, I don't even know. I mean, I hope that New Yorkers are outraged by that and they're not just like, Oh yay, We love our mayor because they should be outraged by that. Um, and also if you look at our, na- the national level, um, president Trump actually, um, much less than he could have, like he could totally be spinning this like, like a Hitler sort of situation and he could be getting people to join with him and like, cause this is the sort of situation when people go to power, but his response has actually been, I would say in, in this situation, and I love libertarianism, Trump's response to this has been too libertarian. Cause he's kind of like, Oh, like, let's like, like his first proposal, even when it was clear that this was going to lead to like an economic catastrophe, he was like, Oh, like, let's like cut payroll tax. 
And he's like, he's trying to do like as little as possible to keep things going kind of, which is, which to deal with this kind of emergency, which is completely different than an emergency of 9-11, um, you need significant executive power in order to take to like, I mean, there's like wartime disease outbreak and say like an asteroid hitting the United States and like blacking out the sky for like half of the nation. Like those are like three situations. And there's like a very limited list of other situations that would actually warrant an executive being able to take significant power. Um, and this is one of them. And our executives did not, even though they actually had the power to. So it's kind of weird because, because there's not as much of a totalitarian takeover as there could have been. Um, That's, and I wouldn't even call it a totalitarian takeover. Shutting down the city as a quarantine measure is not a totalitarian. Yeah, that, that was an. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. But I, I'm just saying that, like, Stopping it, people it's from like undeniable that it's not a take can open this window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, you know, regret. Term. Like, I mean, I for one, you know, like, if I, if I had, if I had faith in the powers that be, oh my god, I'd hand everything over. Um, but frankly, I don't, and, uh, I'm not quite sure how well things are gonna play out if we really just give them the reins. Best case scenario, um, this ends in the six weeks that, you know, cause it's been two weeks now. It ends in the six weeks that it's supposed to have, you know, the whole eight weeks and then it's gone. Worst case scenario, um, we might be doing this in the fall. Oh, oh please, please don't say that. To, uh, <laughs> kind of on that note, I'm afraid I have to start wrapping up the discussion because I'm going to have to leave soon. So uh, yeah. just yeah. to wrap up, uh, uh, last question. What do you think... Uh, like in different levels, maybe economical. We've been talking a lot of how the political landscape might look like after this settles down. But how, what do you think is gonna, how's it gonna look like, like economically and maybe just uh, having lived through this, having lived th through this just uh, extremely, uh, just all of a sudden and then disruptive situation on most of society. How do you think people are going to act now? Do you think if it's going to change uh, how people behave in terms of like consumption or just like philosophically how people are going to just go through life now? <laughs> I, I think people will be more grateful, which I think is actually a good thing. Because um, I think that there's a, too many people pre like up until now have been taking things for granted. And I think that this will actually have a positive social effect and just like making people appreciate what they have more and 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 maybe just like i don't know being i like personally actually hate consumerism so in a certain sense like like maybe this will be a check on that and people will be like oh let's spend money on things that matter instead of i said this last week but like instead of like starbucks or something like um yeah i'm very biased against starbucks obviously <laughs> yeah um Yeah, hopefully people are gonna, we'll see like an increase in just savings and and less, yeah, consumerism, as you say. 
Any other thoughts? I don't know. I feel this is, um, yes, I agree. That is a great time for a lot of tipping point, but this tipping point comes at great cost. And I don't really know how, what those costs be solved. <laughs> and I don't know. I'll just continue to observe what happens because literally we discussed some like on a very similar topic last week and it changed so many things like a lot of things changed during the past week as well everything just kind of accelerates very fast so i don't know yeah, we, we haven't even seen like the, the worst of it so yeah. let alone talking about how it's gonna end and how it's gonna how people are gonna just come back to normal it's definitely one of the most devastating event to the economy no matter which economy we're talking about um and also to just individuals lives as well like a lot of people's future has been paused and plans canceled and families well i i couldn't really even talk about that there are a lot of families like in wuhan like the whole family got infected and they passed away and they only have like a son studying abroad in Britain at that time. So a lot of people's lives are going to be changed by that. Yeah. Yes, fortunately. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We'll, uh, I, I will surely still be talking about this <laughs> in the next few weeks. Uh, but yeah, thank yeah, you for try coming. To, try to stay we'll, in a very good mood. Yes, yeah, stay, stay safe, stay positive. Stay safe and stay, stay positive. In mood in New York City. Thanks are for we, the suggestion. Are we meeting next week? Uh, yes, we'll be just yeah. hanging out. Yeah, yes. no matter <laughs> what you are going to. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Okay. okay. Thank okay, you yeah, so much. Thank you. We'll let you know when the uh, yeah, episode Bye. goes up. Sorry, I came in late. Thanks. All right. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye, all. <laughs>